Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson, who's <laughs> already laughing. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I think we need to have Just, a, a, a J.J.'s laughter ringtone no, available no, on the internet. No, you do not. We're good without that. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just happy to be here. It's good to be here. It's a beautiful, yeah. snowy day. Uh-huh. We don't get a lot of snow in Nashville. No. So today's a snowy day. That's very nice. Most and people didn't come to work today. We're yeah. about half crew. But we did. <laughs> we did. Somebody's got to record the podcast. And it's Friday. I know. When we are done recording this, yeah. we are out of here done. for the weekend. I'm telling you, I'm checking out. My wife and I have early dinner reservations. I am Where are we out going? of here. You're not coming with what? us. <laughs> we've got an episode today that I think is one of the most practical episodes yep. we've ever done. If you've ever had to give a speech, if you've yeah. ever had to stand in front of a group of people and say anything, this is going to help because Mike Pacione is with us. Yeah. And Mike works with Nancy Duarte, who is probably the world's leader in giving mm-hmm. great presentations. He gives presentations in corporate environments teaching people how to do better presentations. Yeah. And he came by the office and he did an interview with us and he's going to share eight things it takes to give a good talk or eight things that should be in yeah. your good talk. But you and I were talking earlier yeah. because this always leads us to go, what's the worst you've ever done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And oddly enough, we have <laughs> we all had uh, stories. We have stories right away. Okay. So you're a good speaker. I've heard you speak. It's been really great, but that's no fun. Uh-huh. What is the worst experience worst? you've had speaking? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say the absolute worst was I was at this youth <laughs> event in Iowa, and I believe like a tornado had come through. You didn't before. even need to say anything more. Right? <laughs> I was at a youth event in Iowa. <laughs> Something, some major storm had come through and knocked out the power, and they decided to still have the event. And it was hot. It was in the summer, and they opened up the windows, and we were right next to a pig farm. <laughs> and so the room—I mean, it was like gag worthy. Like yeah. we're just sitting there, and I'm looking. And you're at the it, guy. Goodies. You're the guy. You're the main speaker. Yeah. You're the guy. Yeah, I'm oh up. I'm gosh. up on stage, That's and people awful. are holding their noses, like, and it's teenagers, <laughs> so they're not quiet, and they're not like they don't hold their emotions in they're very well. They're being dramatic about it. Yeah. So they're being very dramatic. So people are waving their hands in front of their face. They're holding their nose, and it was a stage that was in the round. So I kept having to like spin around to talk to everybody. So <laughs> my back is to kids, and so like when I would turn to a different spot, and now I'm looking at them. All of a sudden, they would like stop doing whatever they were doing, and then I turn, they're stop doing. So I. I realized nobody's paying attention to me. Everybody's plugging their nose. It smelled horrible. I could not recover. I was dropping my best <laughs> lines. I was being emotional. I was trying but everything I can. No, I had nothing. It's and- tough to compete with a pig farm. <laughs> yeah, when you got that, when you got that being thrown yes. at you, oh, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, <laughs> like, yeah. So that was my least favorite. The other thing is you get horrible intros, and that like sets oh, you up. Yeah. And there was one time I was doing an event to raise money for an adoption agency. They yeah. worked with handicapped kids in Russia and would bring them over. And so all the handicapped kids are in the front row, and they're a part of this. It was very cute. It was very cool. But it was an event that was supposed to be huge. The auditorium had two seats in it, but they didn't promote the event at all. Oh, so there was less than 200 people in the room. Oh, that's a horrible And they're thing. scattered throughout the whole room. And as we're getting ready to get going, the host walks up on stage and she just says, you know, before we get started, I just want to dedicate this night to Jen. <laughs> And Jen, oh I know she helped all of you adopt your children, so she's like family. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> Her parents are supposed to be here tonight. I think they're still in mourning. I think, are they here? 
Steve is Steve Janice no and I'm just sitting there and I'm going what and so then she takes a moment of silence for Jen who has died who helped all of these people adopt their handicapped children from Russia she's a part of their family she died in a tragic car accident and then no joke I have it on video because this was for a promotional video so we had brought a, a, a camera crew in so this is on video so after the moment of silence the lady starts clapping and she goes now let's welcome the entertainment <laughs> <laughs> and then walks off stage and we're doing comedy at this thing we got like, hey everybody what's up hey good to be here if somebody could give me a place where people work could anybody a place where people work and that was our introduction <laughs> it was horrible I have no stories to top either of that it was miserable and I, I, have, tech, I probably have a dozen <laughs> I did a tech conference once and I thought you know I mean, there's 400. They're all technology yeah, yeah. people. They're all people who basically do technology for theaters, okay. right? So uh-huh. they're like sound, big, giant video screens. These are the people who operate them. I don't know why I was there. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? These people are so tired of technology. They've seen every keynote under the sun. I'm going to leave my laptop behind, and I'm going to use a flip chart. <laughs> And for whatever Why? reason, I thought that was a smart idea. And I go up on stage with a marker and a flip chart, oh and I'm gosh. doing diagrams. And I mean, I am bombing. <laughs> and, then, and of course, this is a tech conference. So yeah. this is like Twitter was like, you know, maybe two years into mainstream. <laughs> and everybody just felt like the thing with Twitter to do is to be mean. Of course. And I is. mean, I sat in my hotel room that night, lonely as I could <laughs> possibly be, and read the Twitter reviews of my oh talk. My and gosh. they just skewered me. I of mean, it was course just they a, did. Oh. It was an awful night. But the worst, <laughs> the worst media thing I've ever done, I, I flew to Detroit. This is after uh-huh. my first book came uh-huh. out. So I really had never, I think this might have been my first television interview. I, uh-huh. I hadn't done any. I don't think and i fly to detroit it's a small station and this gentleman has me on his show and it's like an interview show uh-huh. he sits down i'm sitting across from him they turn the cameras on and the guy says so don you wrote a book you wrote a book about a road trip across america tell me why did you feel like you needed to write this book and i said well you know and he gets up no. like the camera's on me <laughs> it's no longer yeah. on him it's not a two shot it's on me on you. he gets up and he walks away no. and i do an entire interview <laughs> Where I have to keep talking until he feels like coming back and uh-huh. sitting down in that seat and asking me the next oh question. Oh my god! It was torture. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> public speaking. Oh, Our man. guest is going to save us from some yes. misery. Yeah. Eight things that he thinks, and they're going to actually surprise you a little bit. Yeah. You know, I didn't know about short-term and long-term calls to action. And he's got a little bit about being funny. Yeah. And he kind of lets you know whether you should or you shouldn't. It's based on (laughs) whether you are. (laughs) And it's good stuff. But, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Nancy Duarte's TED Talk on how to give a good talk. She lays uh, the Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech over the Steve Jobs keynote where he releases the iPhone. And he basically... Uh, she basically argues that this is the same speech. Yeah. And it's fascinating. Millions of people have watched it. Well, that launched a huge company that's helping everybody give presentations. Yeah. Mike is one of her right-hand guys. He goes all around the country, and he, and he tells people how to do this. I think he's fantastic. He helped me a lot, yeah. an awful lot. And hopefully my next talk will be better yeah. <laughs> after having done this for 20 years. I don't think we should uh, wait anymore. Right you and I are going to listen to it because <laughs> we might we need, need some work. <laughs> yeah. Here's my interview with Mike Pacione from Duarte. Mike, thanks for joining us. Why, thank you, Don. It's a delight <laughs> to be here. How many speeches do you give a year? 
70. My goodness. Yeah, 70-ish. And, and, then, and, these, and these aren't like 45-minute keynotes. You're going for hours. Yeah, generally I'm speaking for eight hours at a time. Wow. So, I mean, we take breaks in there. I do drink water in the middle of it. But yeah, for <laughs> the most part, yeah, it's a full day. And the great thing is your speeches, your talks yep. are about how to give good presentations. It's so meta. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it is. So you're the expert. I mean, you are the talker about talking, and you're going to teach us to talk. I'm the talker about talking the talks. <laughs> yes. Talks. You know, I've been speaking a long time, and it's sort of been an intuitive thing, you know, for the last 20 years, just kind of slowly yeah. getting into it, and you figure out best practices. This joke works. This point mm -hmm. seems to land, those kinds of things. It's only been recently that I think about guys like you, and maybe I should go back and learn some kind of form. <laughs> Speaking isn't that hard. Yeah. We can be more successful at this than people think, right? There's the Jerry Seinfeld bit. People would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Right, like right. That sort of thing. But I think people would all do well to just take a step back, relax, and realize that like you're actually in charge of what happens, and that is right. a good thing. Right. I sometimes wonder if school is what puts this fear in us, right? But Why would school put fear in us? Well, when you were in sixth grade and you had to memorize a poem or a story or something, and the right. teacher was sitting in the back, and they had it written down word for word, and they're grading you, did Don get it word for word? And so you, you kind of freak out. Ah, uh, you think changing, it has to be perfect. Yeah, you think it has to be perfect. Fact of the matter is, outside of that scenario, your audience does not know what you are quote unquote supposed to say. And that's so comforting. It should be. They're yeah. gonna go where you take them, and it almost doesn't matter where, as long as it's not rambling on and on about nothing. Right, exactly. And even if you ramble on and on about nothing, here's a tip. If you do that, here's how to get out of it. You say the following. So I feel like I rambled a little bit, but the point is blank. And stop and self-correct. Yes. Stop yeah. the plane from spiraling out of control. Exactly. One of my most painful guilty pleasures, because <laughs> I enjoy it and I can't stand it at the same time, is watching 20-somethings at a wedding reception give a best man's toast. Oh, yeah. Because they are the worst speeches yeah. ever. <laughs> they are literally awful. And it's disappointing when they're good. I mean, when somebody really gets up there and lands it, you're like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> like you're supposed to go for 18 minutes and mention accidentally that you did have a crush on the groom, yep. one of the groomsmen's yeah, mothers. Yeah, brutal drunken stories, things of yeah. that nature. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Let's just, <laughs> but that's what amateurs do. And those guys are all amateur speech givers. And yeah. you're here to help us not be an amateur. Yeah, we're going to try to move you above amateur status okay. today. Yeah. You've got seven and a half things that mm -hmm. we can include in a speech <laughs> to help it work. So we'll get to the half part later. But I want to go through all seven. If you have an important speech, coming up here's some things to make it better right so what's the first thing yeah so the first one and these are in no order although this first one's going to make it seem like there yeah, yeah. it is but the first thing and you might not actually do this first is find a great first line for the talk so what most people do is they get on stage and they're hey i'm mike it's really an honor to be here today i've been working with such and such company for X number of years, and I'm here at this client, and this client's a great client. And here's the problem. The first seven seconds are the times in the talk where you have the audience's attention the most. Mm -hmm. And what most of us do is we waste that warming up. And I get why that happens. It's a weird thing to just walk on stage and start talking and being serious and have yeah. everybody's attention. Yeah, You would be wiser to give yourself a little pep talk backstage, walk straight on stage, and just say, I'm done. I want to start today off with this story. Or like Gary Haugen's TED Talk, I think his first line is, I wish I was a better crier. 
That's how he starts. Wow. So it hooks you from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Josh Ship, I mastered the art of getting kicked out of foster homes. Boom. Oh, we're yeah. in it. Yeah, we're dropped in. right in it. So give yourself permission to do it. Ultimately, when you're presenting, you're the guide, right? Let's use story language. You're the guide. So you need to model for them how they should be reacting. You need to, mm. you need to take them on the journey. Tell so, them how to feel. Yeah. So if you're starting by just hemming and hawing, you're giving the audience permission to do that same thing. You know what's interesting is I'm really comfortable on stage, but you know, recently I watched one of my talks and I rambled a lot. And I noticed that like I'll watch a TED talk that's had five million views. And the person will be slightly nervous and they're not a very good communicator, but they're way more scripted than I am. Mm -hmm. And so their points are better and they seem more focused and they land the content. And I'm having to learn. Trust the content. Don't try to bring all this personality. It's not actually all that necessary. Would you say that's true? Uh, I would say it's medium true. I mean, you, you have to have personality, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a speech. It would just be everybody would yeah, sit in reciting room reading. Lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So your personality does matter, but I think where a lot of us get into trouble is we just off-road too much. Yeah, we have to stay disciplined. Yeah, I think that's what I meant. Yeah, I'm not very disciplined. And I didn't, oh, gotcha. Kind of didn't yeah. think I had to be because I get laughs. Yeah, because people are laughing and they're having fun. Yeah, and then you watch them on video and you're like, man, I'm really not <laughs> staying, yeah, yeah. Not staying yeah. on it. Okay, great first line. You yeah. gave us a few examples. I love that. What's next? Yeah, so and not next in order, but what's another thing? Yeah, another one is the presenter should be vulnerable. Cry, so, a lot of crying. <laughs> when I say that, that doesn't mean you have to share a story from you know being a little kid and your dad went away and you still have the wound. And you from still that. wet the bed because right, of that right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't. What need do you to mean by that? vulnerable? Because I think there are people who, I think I do think it's a fine line. Yeah. At some point, when we're too vulnerable, we lose authority in the room. We lose. Yeah, right, right. There's, there's a sense of this person isn't super competent. Yeah, that's a good point because a, a lot of times people will say things like, I'm really nervous and they think that's actually going to win the audience over and it doesn't. Mm. When I talk about being vulnerable, what I mean is just that it's okay to share things that present you as less than invincible relative to your subject. But here's the key. That should probably be in the past. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like, here's something I used to screw up or I used to think that we should do this. Yeah. And now I realize that we shouldn't. So it's like all that screw up is in the past. You're still showing your audience that you don't think of yourself as like a God, but I have figured it out at this point and I want to share this with you. It's empathy. Yeah. It's the, yeah, the yeah. audience says, okay, he's like me. He doesn't think he's great. But the audience also senses, and yet now this person is competent and has figured uh -huh. this out and can help me take that same journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Vulnerability. All right, yeah. what's next? So the next one is that a good presentation should have evidence to it, which sounds really obvious, but... You mean your, your points should be evidence-based? Yeah, your points should be evidence-based, yeah. And what's particularly helpful is if you can include science as part of the talk, if you can use science to answer the why something works. Right. So you can say, story works because the brain is wired to do this. Right. right. So like in, right. in your talk, when you're talking about the amount of calories that your brain consumes when something is confusing and we're wired to not do that, that will stick with people because right. that science makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. it's backing up your story. Mm -hmm. Evidence-based. Yep. Can you go too far? Absolutely. Yeah. I've heard some of those. Yeah. Talks. Too much evidence. And I, I wish I had a rule of thumb, you know, only include one data point. There's not something like that, but... If you go too far, there's too much data, your audience checks out. Fight or flight, the brain checks out. Okay. Yeah. And then anecdotes. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm cheating. I'm looking at your list. Yeah, yeah. No, so I love using anecdotes in a talk. I mean, the most popular TED Talk is Sir Ken Robinson. 
I love that talk. It's like 40 million views. The beginning of it is mostly anecdotes. One of the things that he does really well and one of the things you'll see done really well on great presentations is they will share anecdotes. So Scott Harrison, Charity Water, he's another one that does this A lot of personal stories. What makes an anecdote even better, so it has to be powerful in the first place and it has to show the transformation, the results that happens because of the point of the story. What those guys do magnificently is they actually pair the anecdotes with data. So like one of the reasons why Scott Harrison's talk works so well is he's not just telling you one isolated story of one person who donated her birthday money and it opened a well in Africa. He's telling you this one story, and the one he tells is incredible. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, the one the girl in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Rachel Beckwith, I think is her Mm -hmm. name. And he tells that story, but he has already told you that there are thousands of stories like this. Right. So it eliminates that kind of thought in the back of someone's head that says maybe well, yeah, but that's just one story. Is that really representative? Right. So if you can pair anecdotes with actual data, that makes it even more powerful. Have you seen uh, Ken Robinson's second TED Talk? It's one of the best opening line jokes I've ever yeah. heard. He walks to the center stage and he says, a few years ago, I was given 18 minutes to give a TED Talk. And so as I was saying... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. An anecdote about Ken Robinson. I was at a really tiny meeting in the Bahamas, Mm -hmm. and I'm on a beach, and there is a distinguished older British woman laying next to me in one of these chairs, and it starts to rain. So we all run up to the bar, you know, under a giant umbrella. And I'm stuck under this umbrella with this older British woman, and we just strike up a conversation. She's very lovely, and she says, well, my husband is coming down and should be able to join us shortly, and a golf cart comes up, and a man with a cane gets out of the golf cart and walks up the stairs, and it's Ken Robinson. And I get two hours in a bar in the Bahamas with Ken Robinson. Never talked to him since, but it was fascinating. That's my Ken Robinson story. That's my anecdote. <laughs> now, should your anecdote have a point? Because mine didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is evidence of me rambling on and on. <laughs> the best anecdotes tell you the point at the end. So they're like the most well-known from that Sir Ken Robinson talk There's this girl that drew a picture of God and uh, the teacher said, but nobody knows what God looks like. And he says, they will in a minute. (laughs) And then then he tells this other story of these kids who were in the Christmas pageant and they went on stage. You know, they're supposed to represent gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the first guy says, I'm gold. Second kid says, I'm myrrh. And the third kid says, Frank sent this, right? So it's the funniest thing in the world. But at the end of all that, he makes the point He's like, now, I don't mean to say that making mistakes is the same thing as being creative, but if you're not prepared to make mistakes, you will never come up with anything original. So uh, he spells yeah. out the point of that for you right, right. in a concise manner. I'll be back with the rest of this interview in just a moment. Well, we've brought into the studio Kula Callahan. She has been, for the last year, one of our coaches. This means she has spent hours on the telephone with business leaders talking to them mostly Kula about their websites is that right that's right so they call you they say my website's not working you actually look at their website with them you walk them through what they need to do how they need to fix it 
And we thought it'd be great to have you on the show to talk about what are the common mistakes people make with their websites. Would you give us an example? Yeah, one of the things I see most often is that people are just saying too much on their websites. Right. So there's tons of text, and because people don't really read websites these days, they scan them. They're losing engagement because people don't take the time to read everything That's they important. Say. I don't know if anybody heard that. People don't read websites anymore. They did five years ago, but now they just scan them, especially on their phone. And if you pay That's attention right. to how you look at websites, you will find that you are scanning them not reading them. And so you see too much text. Right. I can't tell you because we at the StoryBrand workshops, we put everybody's website up on a giant screen. And I don't know how many times I've said it. Nobody read that paragraph. Nobody's reading <laughs> that paragraph. Nobody's reading that paragraph. That's right. How do you fix this problem? Give us a couple tips. So one of the most practical ways to fix it is if you have headings on your website, making them bold and... Or if you don't have headings, just have headings. Just have headings. Make don't them bold. break into a paragraph. Right. Really easy to read. Um, so it breaks up the text for the website visitor and allows them to process the information just easier and faster. Another practical tip that I typically give people is to try to cut your paragraphs in half. So a lot of times, you know, paragraphs that are seven to eight sentences, nobody's reading past the first or second. So mm -hmm. if you can cut your paragraphs in half... Keep and then cut that in half and then cut, and then that, cut in that in half. And then cut that in half and cut that in half. You say it a lot. It should be a painful process removing text from your website, right? Because right. you want all these words on there, but really nobody's reading them. So focus on what will engage people the most, what will resonate with them the fastest, and just keep that on it and get rid of everything else. Two fantastic tips. One, if you don't have headers, put headers above the text, blocks of text, and then take that block of text and cut it in half. Get rid of half of the words in those paragraphs. Kula, thank you so much. Of course. This is great. All right. Well, if you want tips on making your website better or improving all of your marketing collateral, go to storybrand.com. We have live workshops that take place in Nashville, Tennessee. You can register for the next one and spend two days away clarifying your message. Your business is worth it. Okay, now this one is interesting to me. Yeah. Number five, short-term and long-term calls to action. Yep. I was fascinated by that. What do you mean by short and yeah, long-term calls to totally. action? Totally. Well, so first of all, I think surprisingly a lot of times presentations, and this would be especially true at the corporate level, there is no call to action. It just ends. So mm. the end will just be person gets to the last slide and they'll just say, oh, and that's it. Or, yeah, I've made that mistake. Right. Or uh, we're out <laughs> I'm of out of time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> At the very least, you should give some sort of call to action. So I would actually break it up to short-term and long-term. So the short-term is the simple, go to my website, text to this number, and you will receive such yeah. and such a price, yeah. right? So that's good. That gives my audience something, something to do, do right now. Right now. What we also want to do is we want to make sure that a week from now, a month from now, some short length of time, they're doing something. So you want to actually dangle that in front of them. Is that to give them sort of a future vision of yeah. how this is going to be a long-term effect on you? Yeah. Even if they don't do it, and we know they're not going to do it, in the moment it gives them this feeling of this is going to have an impact months to come. Right, exactly. Because think about it. If I'm in your audience and the call to action you're giving me is text this number and you will receive something, I do that in the moment. That makes me feel like I'm done. I've accomplished everything. The audience everything. feels like they're done? Is it, yeah. Yeah. Like, I just texted this uh, number. I received this thing from you. Ah, uh, yeah. That's important. I feel like I'm good to go. A lot of people, me included, you get to the end of the talk, especially when you've been invited to talk somewhere, and I really do need to follow up with people. They need to get these slides, or they need to yeah. know more about what we can do for them at StoryBrand. 
And yet I get this uncomfortable feeling of like, now I just switched from sharing really great information to selling. Mm -hmm. How do I keep away from that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I like is just saying that out loud. So I don't want to sell you anything, but I don't want to sell for you anything. $9.95. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sell you anything, but I believe in this product, right? So here's one of the things that I like to do is to say, okay, so in the last hour, let's say I'm talking for StoryBrand, right? Like if you just listen for the last hour and implement what you learned today, this will help your business tremendously, right? right. And I, I can maybe right. be a little more specific than that. But if you want to take this to the next level, here's what you should do. And mm. we can come in and help you. I want to you. dive deeper. Yeah, so like, let them know that it's not like you're keeping things away and they won't have any success unless they buy your sexy new product. Right. But if they do want to buy that sexy product, that will help them. But I like giving them the long term as well because that says to them three months from now, your website should change. Three months from now, things should look different. Yeah. Three months from now, I want you to make uh-huh. these changes in your marketing collateral. Yeah. And the world will be different for you. Yeah. Okay. Traps the audience may fall into. What are those? Yeah. What you're trying to do here is to produce tension in your audience. So a lot of times, if you have done your job well, it is possible that you have simplified your big topic into something that seems a lot easier than it actually is. Right. And so your audience may be sitting there and saying, yeah, yeah, this makes sense, even though, truth be told, they have not done it. But it makes sense. Yeah. So what you want to do before something that may sound like common sense is you may want to say out loud, and I love doing this, Say something like, now, you may think that you've done this well, but blank. Ah, you just preempt it. Yep. Or one of the traps that we've seen our customers fall into is blank. There's a subtle difference between that and this other thing, but if you do this other thing- It's very narrative because story lives in the problem area that that Mm -hmm. bad things could happen and we want to keep you watching to find out if they do or don't and we hope they don't and- you know, as soon as you mention a trap or yeah. a failure or a mistake, the audience kind of perks up a little bit. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. They perk up because it's, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. Nobody yeah. wants to fall into a trap. You know, in our talk at StoryBrand, you said uh, one trap that a lot of our customers run into is they don't have a different colored obvious buy now button at the top right of their website. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. So you're talking about really practical advice, practical things that people are doing wrong as it relates to your product and service or whatever it is you're talking about. You could just say, make sure that you have a buy now button on your website. Right. Right. And if I'm in the audience, I'm like, yeah, I have that. But that's not actually the full thing. Most people think they have a good enough buy now button on their website, but they're missing sales because they fall into this trap. It's not obvious. Yes. Boom. Got it. All right. And then the final statement. You want something to say before you walk off the stage. Right. I mean, think of how different People would think of Martin Luther King historically if he did not end with free at last, free at last. Mm. Thank God Almighty we're free at last. Yeah. I mean, what if he ended with... Great to be here. (laughs) Really good seeing you. Love DC this time of year. (laughs) Unfortunately, right now we're not free, but hopefully that will improve. (laughs) And then mumble off. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry I rambled a lot. Really good. So you're saying have a final statement. Yeah, and listen, I mean, you have to calibrate this for your audience. Do not go out there and do free at last, free at last. Like that has to be appropriate. (laughs) Right. But what you do need to do, and you actually need to plan this out because in the moment you will forget it if you do not do that, is plan out a final, very last thing you are going to say before you leave the stage. One of the things that I love to do here, so some years back I helped out uh, Amy Porterfield. I think you know her, right? She's Uh been on the podcast. Uh, She's fantastic. Amy and I worked on a talk she was talking about using Facebook for marketing. Right. Talking at Michael Hyatt's conference and 
the point she wanted to make was that like literally anybody can do this. So we walked through the whole thing like, okay, well, what's your most dramatic example of this? There was a pastor in Indiana who had like bolstered his sales of like a prayer PDF. So I'm like, Amy, that is your final story. So she tells that whole dramatic story and her last line is just simple. You can do it too. Boom, walk off stage. Of just a final note resonating in the brains. You can do it too. You can do it too. I love that. One of the things that we have learned over the years is that like principle of recency says that the very last thing that they hear is what they will remember the best. Hmm. So that makes the ending really important, even though what most people do, they just write the speech sequentially. By the time you get to the end, you're tired of writing. So you put like no effort into it. Right. But th- that ending is a crucial, crucial point. And what that also means is that if you are presenting with a Q&A, you need to come up with an ending that's after the Q&A. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Don't just because say, well, the last thing. well, I think this is the last question. I really appreciate your time. Right. And then you're at the mercy of what that last question is, which Man, could be something. That alone, that alone is worth this whole, anybody listening to this interview. Just write down a final thought that furthers the cause of this talk and say it before you walk off stage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you can use the same one at the end of your talk. Then there's a Q&A and then repeat that same thing. Because like, otherwise, I mean, think about it. Someone, just the Don Miller fans in the audience, you have a Q&A and they're like, well, what's your favorite book? And now that's the last question you have time for. And now that's the, <laughs> that's that's the, the last thing. thing it's on anybody's yeah. mind. All right. And then you have a 0. 0.5. It's not the eighth thing, but it's the point yes, seven point five thing. 7.5th. Could be in the talk. What is that? Yeah. And this is because you need to take this under advisement and be very, very honest with yourself. If you can make your talk funny, do it. But hopefully <laughs> at this stage of your life, you are aware as to whether or not you are a funny person. people love funny but if you're not funny you're you're killing your talk if you're trying to be yeah now if you're sitting no i really want to try one of the things you can try to do there is to use videos that are funny and that way it will seem like you're funny even though you're not the funny one (laughs) just show some comedian yeah exactly no really (laughs) but if you're not funny don't do that with that said if you are not funny regardless if you're funny or not like have fun with the talk Find your right. Enjoy it. Yeah, find your inner People Jimmy mirror Fallon our emotions. who laughs. They mirror yeah. our emotions while we're up there, don't they? Mm-hmm. You tell them whether or not to be comfortable with you. Yeah, because if you're comfortable, they'll be comfortable. If you're relaxed, they'll be relaxed. Right. If you kind of screw up on stage and laugh at it, they give you all sorts of grace. Absolutely. But when you're pretending to be perfect and you flub your words and then you're worried about it, the whole audience sits in tension and fear. Right. Exactly. And it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. So if you for have the audience, fun, it's so for uncomfortable the for the audience. And this is like one of the biggest things that I've learned. I used to try to be perfect, man. And then when I screwed up, it was like the world was ending. Mm. But now when I screw up, it's actually kind of fun. Yeah. It's just like, what the heck was I talking about before? <laughs> I mean, we have, so when we do our workshops, Microsoft will decide to do an update in the middle of our workshop. Right. So little pinwheel comes up and my computer will crash. So I could just say, well, let's take a break or whatever. But instead, because my mentality is like, let's just have fun with this. I sometimes will just tell stories. I and mean, one of the ones I love to tell, uh, when I was in college, I got this watch that could double as a remote control for the TV. And so it, it came with all these different codes for the TV. I just memorized all the codes. Philips was 37, Sony, <laughs> Sony was 18, things like that. It's like a superpower watch. Yeah, totally. So when I was in the classroom, I would turn the TV on and off. 
when it, just if the teacher like wasn't looking. Like all your fellow students are sitting around, you just turn the TV on. I and mean, off I was in subtle with it because I was good, but yeah, I would turn it on and off. Yeah, absolutely. So I bring that up in the workshop. It's awesome as a means of killing time as I am trying to fix my ah. computer to get the slides back up. But that would never ever happen if I didn't walk into the room with the idea in my head, like we need to make this fun. Yeah. I mean, whether your and audience casual is there. And, and it's a teaching environment, a little bit different than a 40-minute keynote or something like that. Sure, but even if it's a 40-minute keynote, like they're giving you 40 minutes of their time. And I'm not telling you to like turn it into a circus or anything, but like if you're not having fun with the talk, there's no chance your audience is going to. Oh, uh, that's a great point. And if you don't seem interested and you don't seem excited by what you're saying, and I'm not telling you to bounce off walls or anything like that, but if you don't seem into it, excited, enthusiastic, having fun with it, there's no way your audience is going to. I love it. All right, Mike, this is so good. This is so good. I'm going to summarize the eight things that should be in any talk. Great first line. Wait, wait, hold on. You rounded up to eight? I'm including humor. You're including it? Yeah, I think you should go for it. Oh, wow. Everybody can tell a joke. Oh, my gosh, this is so not true. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, we're just going to see somebody try to be funny. It's going to be a horror <laughs> show. We're going to be like, look, we tricked him into doing it. Anyway, eight things. Great first line. Feel free to include vulnerability. Like, yeah. I made a mistake in the past. Evidence-based authority, mm-hmm. right? So a little bit of science in there. Sprinkle some science. Yep. Anecdotes, short-term and long-term calls to action. Include traps your audience might fall into. A great final statement. And if you're good, humor. If Be funny. Good. If you can get funny, funny in there, do it. If you're good. Mike, this has been unbelievably helpful. Unbelievably? You don't even believe it, how helpful it is. I actually is. don't really believe it's I going don't to be believe helpful. It. <laughs> it's like the OA. I challenge you to a final line. A final line? Yes. Oh my gosh, I should have put more time into this. Mm. Now, my final line is simply this. like Literally, your audience doesn't know what you're supposed to say. Go out there. You are the one in charge. Have fun with it. Really, have fun. People remember the emotion they felt when you had fun. Well, I know you listen to a podcast like this and you're kind of going, how do I apply this? So we've created a tool to help you apply everything that you just heard. If you go to buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet, that's buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet, you can download a worksheet for almost every episode, including this one. It's going to give you some tips, some strategies, some food for thought to execute on what you heard in this interview. It's only when we execute that we actually see the benefit. So we're giving you a tool to help you do that. Buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet. Well, it's the end of another episode. Yes, it is. And Valentine's Day is coming up. Yes, it is. Yeah, so happy, happy Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or iTunes. And, of course, thanks as always for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs> <laughs>